Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Phil Blechman, and with me as always, Nate Golia. Nate. Oh, what wait a, a minute. A, this a... is Are we entered the quantum slipstream? And now Who knows? Who knows what's gonna happen <laughs> on this on this cast anymore? One day it's Zach and, and some some guy that nobody knows who plays Storm a lot. And now it's you and me. Welcome back. Yeah, another another uh, three one five er, actually. That's what we used to call people who had 315 area codes when I lived in Rochester. A 315-er? Yeah, because, like, Rochester was, at the time, 716, and everything to the east was 315, including, like, all the farmland. So you called someone a 315-er, it was a pejorative about them, like, mm-hmm. living in farmland. Uh, mm-hmm. But then, like, I ended up, like, marrying a person who lives in the 315 or is from that and they you know, just live in a regular town like all of us. So it's very funny. Life comes um, at you fast, dude. Yeah, and now I have a 315 area code. And then Rochester lost the 716 and now has 585. So this was a uh, sad day. It was a sad day, but what a day today is. Uh, when was the last time you were on, dude? It was you for know, the I review, feel like right? it was fairly recently, but I don't yeah. remember what we were reviewing. It no, was... was it? Was there a banning? It was the oh, band. it was the band. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah, the band. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And yeah. uh, so I, I was reading uh, Joe Dyer's round, Legacy Roundtable earlier today. Uh, go check out Joe Dyer's work on MTG Goldfish if you don't already. But uh, one of the questions in his roundtable was, do you think the bannings fixed the legacy? And so, uh, Nate, I'm just going to pose the question to you. Do you think the bannings fixed the legacy? I will say that it, the, it, has, been a, it has been a longer time than I expected without like having to play Delver like three out of five rounds. Mm-hmm. And right after the banning, uh, there were all those people jamming the new initiative decks and that was kind of irritating, but they were not obnoxious. It was more irritating because they were a lot easier to beat. And so the, the rounds were even somehow less interesting, you know? Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, cause it's like, this is still trash but now it's not even broken trash it's just obnoxious what well, thing i don't know if i i don't remember exactly i don't think i don't know if i talked about it with you guys i guess not because if it was after the bannings i wouldn't think i would have played but like or i would have been able to have data but like i was playing like jund decks that would be able to like thought seize these hands that were like one land a bunch of spirit guides and one initiative creature and it was so easy to just like easily disrupt sure. them on turn mm-hmm. one um and i was sort of surprised by that i was like why would anyone play these cards still and i think they, they've come around a little bit the ducks have got a little bit better um but uh but yeah like they they, they are it's still like a bad mechanic but not a it hasn't it hasn't roared back in any way and delver mm-hmm. is is somehow I, though I do wonder how much of it is just people being like, I don't have to play this, so I don't want to. You know, I, I feel like when people yeah. post tournament reports from long tournaments, they're still like in that like round five, Delver, round six, Delver, round seven, Delver, quarterfinals, Delver. You know what I mean? So yeah. maybe it doesn't appear in leagues, but uh, that's a nice break at least. Yeah, and the, the move away from uh, Delver for a second after bands. I wonder if. Like we had, like what happened at the previous ban? If like the same thing happened where people like eased off of Delver for a second as they just like had fun trying new things that like they couldn't try before. 
until we eventually just get back to the space where like you know the the delver the dedicated delver pilots that are good at sharpening the list just like actually tune the best version now and yeah. then that's just adopted and then all and then the cycle just repeats or if they're actually if this is like actually a time where we're gonna have to see when the next card advantage spell comes out that they can easily slot into their shell because there's been a couple of uh varying degrees but you want to know something that i've i've experienced recently and we'll talk about it yeah uh, a little bit more in depth when we talk about uh this past week's events but what i've found was as a guy who plays a lot of predict uh-huh. Every, uh, the more and more that I was playing Predict, I was finding that even when I converted in the ideal moments, right? Like turn one setup, turn two convert a Predict, and now I'm like full grip. I'm not going to miss any land drops. I have all the spells and interaction that I could want. I would still be on the back foot, like way too far on the back foot. But the, the, the format still feels, uh, at least in my experience, even through the ban, like it is so fast that using cards to go up raw cards that don't impact the board in any way are, are, the 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 opportunity cost of impacting the board is too steep for those cards to exist in, well, that's in what viable I was, strategies. Yeah, I mean that's that's what I, I think that was sort of my point before. I was like, it doesn't really matter. Like I thought, expressive iteration. Like I I never really thought it was that bad to play against. I guess like, um. I guess it, it turned out to be more impactful than possible. Maybe it was just, that's the thing though. It's like, it's one of those things where it's like, well, maybe I don't interpret it because it wasn't as good in the, in the, the against the sort of decks that I was playing. Whereas mm-hmm. like the vector of, of agitation was different, I guess. Um, yeah. And I, and I yeah. sort of, cause I sort of said the same thing. I'm like if they, it's a, it's a two mana spell, but you can't tap out for it on turn two. Like what's, it's not real. It's just a, it's just a turn three card. And by then, you know, you should be able. You, no, I mean, you shouldn't be able to. In, in, you know, at, 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 you know, according to the scriptures, but you are able to, um, like, do something as broken as look at the top three and like get to get two of them. Like that seems fine. And I think that, like, yeah, the problem was that in Delver, like, you know, people were getting, were playing. You know, they had these aggressive creatures on turn one, and then that was if you didn't, if you weren't set up to sort of like absorb those hits then when they got ahead on cards it was even worse yeah um, i remember that that uh when the, the like the, the the structure of that deck and the cards that we felt were like super egregious because you and i play decks that are like so far uh apart from each other i remember you were always like i can't like murktide has to go fuck that card murktide it just is just ridiculous and it's got to go and i'm like i really just never care about murktide it's just that it's like it's a big beater that i just source the postures and move on with my day and i'm always like man but i'm just uh, i'm i'm you know i i didn't really have problems with ex- too many problems well, with expressive either I, but like for, for the most part i remember like the the dichotomy between the car the the types of decks that expressive pushed out versus the type of decks that murktide pushes out right because i think that with murktide region if you think about like the kinds of like black base attrition decks that i tend to like to play if i'm not playing a combo deck right um those decks are top decking and when the top de- if like one deck can top deck like a nine nine flyer like that's uh, that, that sort of takes the uh the wind out of the sails for the top deck works what do you get a top deck that you have to top deck something that beats that there's not, not a lot of cards that beat that you know i mean there's sort of supply shares and stuff like that and those are obviously playable cards but like um i feel like even at one point i, I think i texted you guys i was like i i just i'm like so far ahead in this game 
they just countered the like I had they played a Murktide and had one other card, um, and it was like a force of negation, so they could tap three and counter the thing I tried to play against it. And I was like, that's just the game, like, like just a nine nine, like what the hell, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm at eighteen, I'm gonna lose because of that. Like I'm gonna take two hits. So okay, so 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 speaking of uh, continuing along this trend of uh, looking at Joe Dyer's piece here and the questions that were asked. One of the questions is, would you make any changes to the current format? And one of the suggestions was unbanning Deathrite Shaman because it checks a lot of problems on the in the format between DRC, Murktide, Uro. Nate, your thoughts? Well, I I agree with that, but like I I when I, when Deathrite Shaman was in the conversation with bands, I was like, look, the problem, like yes, maybe this card does one too many things, you know, but. You're, we're gonna miss it when it's gone because the incidental graveyard interaction is so important to making sure that things don't get out of control because the graveyard is just a second hand in Legacy, right? Mm. And there's just not a lot of ways to main deck a sort of incidental interaction with it. Now, if you now the problem is it makes a mana off Underground Sea. Like that's not great. And ideally, it would just be like a green card with all the same abilities and probably be fine. You know, like if it. If it was just green to cast, it could still have a black activation cost. Like there's no, there's nothing against that. Like there's no reason that can't happen. But yeah, I would, I would definitely be interested in seeing it. I don't. I guess the thing is, like, at the time too, the three mana slot, getting accelerating to those three mana cards was so powerful. Do you remember what? Let's we can, let's remember some cards. True name. Some cards that. Leovold emissary of trust. I'm I can I, I bridged into monastery mentor. Yes, right. That's actually a great one. Um, Liliana the Veil, right? Like these cards, you know, those were that was like that that, that thing. It's like, oh crap, they're getting the three too soon, and then you can't, you know, you, how are you going to beat a turn two Leovold, right? They're, they're yep. going to just draw you to death. Um, and I'm just trying to think like, well, what's out now? Like, I mean. Like Deathrite Shaman into Fairy, Deathrite Shaman into Narset. Like those seem that seems like a pain in the butt, but not like you know. I I don't know that it's any worse than those cards getting into play anyway at this point, considering mm-hmm. the other the other things the other vectors at hand. Um, I guess you know, with Deathrite. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say Deathrite Shaman. What's it do against Urza Saga? <laughs> like that's not. That's an interesting problem, right? Like I Urza Saga, I think is. Yeah, Urza Saga is egregious in my mind. It will it will always be egregious in my mind. I just don't. I, I, it's weird because like I I guess I don't. I guess I appreciate that I get to like play against some weird cards, but the novelty of the weird cards always wears off when that you that the Urza Saga is what beats you anyway. You know. Yeah, it's also like the the weird cards are. They, they're not like I find anytime I, I like brew with like fun stuff. Like you know, there were times where I was like putting Thran Turbine in my deck to yeah. you know continually fuel like sort of stuff where it's you know. But like the 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 fun cards, like those kind of interesting cards that like you know the potential that you're looking for, the opportunity cost for them being free and tutorable out of your deck, just it sort of kind of bypasses the point, you know. Yeah. It's right. just like this is. It's sort of like a secondhand. It's like it's like a backlash. It's like who cares? It's like the, the deck operates, you know, with or without it because Urza Saga just does everything by itself. I, you know, I mean, a, a bit of a slant, but like the 
it's interesting to me that like a lot of the cards that uh like death right that you know enabled a bunch of decks and now it's like well ancient tomb Urza saga is you know i don't know what percentage of the format is but it's like every ancient tomb deck is an urza saga deck you know it's like yeah or, or, or rather every well, non-brainstorm blue deck is an urza saga deck <laughs> yeah I, I think that's probably right i mean i don't do that but that's also because i don't i just don't enjoy i i, I don't i i don't like playing urza saga i actually think i enjoy playing brainstorm more than i enjoy playing urza saga because i don't play a brainstorm deck i'm probably not you know it's probably got like aria flame in it or something like just something like i'm just like doing something offbeat and i'm gonna play blue for whatever reason right but like, there's a saga deck it's like yeah i wanted to do this combo this artifact combo but really i'm just gonna end up like winning probably at least half the games i win by making constructs you know i mean or, and then tutoring up something else to stop like to like to answer whatever situation i'm in like when, I you tried, were, what, when you were talking about murktide uh like my opponent just top decks a nine nine and that's it that's the game Urza Saga is top decking two nine nines. Two nine nines, yeah. Well, if they have nothing in play, as long as it depends, they need a bunch of artifact lands. But yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, it's. I guess what I would say is like, it doesn't. It, it, it's it's the power. It's power on its own. Like undercuts. It's the fact that it means like, oh, you can play this weird deck. The, the deck that I was, I know it's stupid, but like I was like, oh, you know, it's fun. I'll get to Spot Acceptor and play it with, uh, mm -hmm. with Demonic Pact, and that'll be like a fun thing to do. But then like I just never did. I never did that cool thing. I just every game I won was just by making constructs, and people are gonna say, of course, like, well, that's because that idea is stupid. But like I didn't even get to find out if the idea was that stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Even the stuff that uh, Urza Saga lets you backdoor into, it's like, okay, yeah, you have to deal with the constructs, and then it incidentally gets to backdoor into Painter, you know? Right, but Painter it's, was it, already a... It's not like Painter was unviable. Oh, like, totally. It was, I'm saying that, like, yeah. that, 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 that last chapter, it, it being free is why I find, like, anytime somebody, like, puts anything in or tutors anything or, like, the creativity off of Urza Saga, that entirely, in, in my experience, has entirely worn off. It's just like... Whatever you do after you Urza Saga and make constructs, it doesn't matter. Like, the, the the power has already been done in, like, yeah, obviously if you get a Retrofitter Foundry or if you get, you know, a Mox Opal because it's mana fixing, uh, like any of the other problems that it solves for you, the, the onus of like putting two, you know, XX constructs into play, uncounterable at instant speed is already like way above the curve, way above yeah. the curve. I mean, I think it's good that it's not great at turn one play, at least. But like, yeah, I, well, I don't it, know. I just if, don't, you have, if you have ancient tomb, it is. Yeah, right. Um, and then you know, if someone's ready to play against it, it it's I, again like I, I guess what was, all I'm saying is like, yeah. I guess my thing I just wanted to say was that Painter wasn't unviable before the saga. Right. It wasn't. It was like it was probably more viable than like burn. And like people still play burn. Well, maybe they don't anymore. Not you right. don't need not, to. At least not that I've seen. Yeah, it's interesting that no one's played burn. I did try play burn, playing burn with Dragon's Rage Channeler and uh, and uh, Mistress Bobble, and it was it was actually pretty good. Yeah, like I just put the I put the Dragon's Rage Channelers in instead of Goblin Guide, and I put the Mistress Bobbles in like a couple lands, and then like there's a couple burn flex slots. And I played fetch lands because with Mishra's Bobble, you get like, you can scry yourself with a fetch land, right? And better delirium. Yeah. 
Um, but like, I was like, this is actually, it was actually pretty good, mm-hmm. but it was extremely boring to play. Yeah. It was, I, 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 it was, was more boring decks. than, I'm sorry. It was more boring was, than uh, the yeah, time I tried yeah. to play, um, when, when I tried to light up the stage with burn and I was like, I just, and like, I won every game in the, in the league where I resolved to light up the stage. Like if I got, if I resolved to light up the stage. I just won because yeah, I just got two more lightning bolts like immediately right. yeah. and it only costs one mana. So like, yeah, like that was a real interesting burn experiment as well, which I think is like a funny, it's like a burn is almost like a uh, training exercise, like in sequencing and like, you know, understanding, uh, you know, how to manipulate your deck in a limited way. Mm-hmm. Um, and like both of those examples prove that. Um, but yeah, I guess my, yeah, but I guess what I was, my point was just that like a painter, like you could have played it. It wasn't it wasn't yeah. in its it wasn't at its heyday. Painter's been good at times, and uh, Urza Saga made it great, and that's fine. But it didn't like really to me. I don't really. I I think the like Urza Saga enables decks thing is a little overblown because what decks does it enable that would not exist anyway? Like Painter would probably exist. Eight cast would probably exist anyway. Like. Well, I'm saying that, like, what is the, the competitive viability of that deck? Like, how much of, how many of, what percentage of those decks are winning on the back of Constructs? You know, it's like, I, I wonder what the decks would look like if they didn't have access to Urza Saga, just giving them all of these free things. Like, the 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 one of Piffing Needles in the in the decks, or the one of Aether Spell Bombs in the decks, that then you can recur with your Emery's. And it's like, being able to do all of that two-direction on top of making all those Constructs, like, what does that shell look like if it looks like anything considering that like okay you want to get your thought monitors down uh to a low casting cost or a, a, a low cost with affinity urza saga is three artifacts in one card yeah. right that that is true like that's what i'm saying it would make it great but i do think that deck would just like probably play hull breacher and uh echo beyonds or something like and just be like oh i'm just gonna con- i'm just gonna draw like the most cards you know oh, yeah. and side back to the urza Karn shit, yeah. Yeah, and Psy. Yeah, it's interesting that you don't see Karn. Like, when was the last time you saw a Karn? Maybe it's in Painter, and I haven't played against Painter in a while. Uh, Maybe it's I, not, I, though. They might have just lowered their curve, because the, the, they just don't need it, right? It's like an additional plan that you, they just don't need. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I I see Karn in, like, the, there's, like, the, 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 the mono-black decks, but... Like, the mono-black helm decks? Yeah. Yeah, that's oh, like, that's why I mean, the mono black that, that, That's the most common place that I see it show up. I mean, there's obviously like the the Karn Mystic Forge, like you know, tier X deck, but the mono black deck is like pretty popular. I see it fairly often. Yeah, there's no Karns in this in this deck I'm looking at, uh, which was a first place deck, and there is I forgot there's four Fable the Mirror Brigger. That's another card that exists. You know. Yeah. So this is a so, painter so, deck that plays two. This is a painter deck that plays two Grindstones, like. I mean, I so guess that's, that, that, that's the thing, right? Like I remember before Urza Saga, I played a lot of Blue Painter actually, like uh, where I would play uh, War of Invention and like the that sort of uh, like very aggressive combo to just like painter as fast as possible. Uh, and when you have Urza Saga in your deck, you just you can you can shave your combo pieces. The deck just gets more consistent because you have a free tutor. Yeah, right. I was saying that we had two grindstones. I- I got grindstone and painter itself because it does have four painters, but also has seven blasts. So mm-hmm. at least that also combos with painter. Like you want to get a that's the thing, you want to get a painter into play and then you just pyroblast all their stuff and then you win with like a chaos defiler or something. I don't know. How big is that thing? 
Yeah, okay, so speaking of Chaos Five, Father, because this, this was going on in our chat, so the reason that Zach isn't on the cast today is because he's traveling to MTGCon in Minneapolis, is that right? Minneapolis, yeah. Minneapolis, yeah. So he's going to Minneapolis, and uh, he is potentially going to get to interview uh, Gavin Verhey briefly uh, and ask him questions uh, about design and how they pertain to legacy. So anybody who... Uh, we have we we're expecting you know maybe three to four questions given the time the, how much time we have but uh anybody who wants uh to ask a question to gavin if you got a chance put it in the comments below zach is going to take a look we'll try and uh curate the best questions that we can and see what info we can get out of gavin and gavin's actually pretty pretty good at answering stuff when he can you know when, he, when yeah. he's allowed to uh he's he's asked answered questions before like there was one time on twitter i asked him if uh days was untouchable the way that they pretty much stated that Brainstorm and Wasteland are. And uh, he would, he said something along the lines of, no, it's not untouchable. Everything is reasonably touchable, except for the the identity cards like Brainstorm. But it sort of- Did he uh, say like Brainstorm? Yeah, the, the, I, I, I distinctly remember, I don't know exactly where, but I distinctly remember like brain like it was, it was, backhanded almost it was like you know like the the the, the untouchable cards in the format like brainstorm and wasteland and force of will and shit but then the i asked if days was part of the untouchable plans and he said nothing is untouchable but like so like days could be on the block but it, it was one of those things where then the the following actions that were taken against delver made me think that it is part of the untouchables like he said, everything everything is always up for grabs. Like he didn't he didn't like you know block himself in to get tagged later on, right? He gave yeah. himself the out. He gave plausible deniability, but it he was like nothing is untouchable, and then they followed up and banned Ragavan. So it was like okay. Well, that see that's always the thing where, with that though. It's like days is days is like getting better, but it's getting better because they're constantly printing nonsense that they shouldn't print. I guess that's. I've That's actually been examining thing. my own. I've actually been examining my own perception of that because I'm like, well, what do I want? What? what, what if, it's easy to say you shouldn't have printed this, and usually, usually my my um, my uh, measuring stick for that is like, if there's a lot of text on this card, this you you've lost the plot. You know, mm -hmm. Ragavan had a lot of text. Dreadboard Arcanist had a lot of text. Like, you know, the more text you're putting on these cards, like you're you're just you're making it so that this is going to be a problem. You know. Um, so the, like, the, the, the the question I want to pose to you now is, uh, because my argument for days back when I wanted it gone, and the the I, I mean if it went now I still wouldn't be upset, but the reason that I wanted it gone was because it's the card that I feel at its steepest point just punishes the die roll more than any other card in the format, and that's what I felt with like Ragavan too because it snowballed, uh, like the 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 percentage that you win on the play versus the draw feels so lopsided to me in the games that from my own experience when i see yeah. people share like you know their leagues online and if they show the play draw it just feels like the play is so much more valuable like in the dark than anything else like even even if you have like an excellent matchup against the deck it just feels like the play is more important than anything else going on and if they continue to push cards that like beget cards because they have to design for commander, that it's only going that like that will only get pushed further and further and further. Right. And I thought you were gonna I thought you were gonna revisit. Did we have the conversation on the podcast about how to fix the play draw problem? 
Remind was actually, me, what, what were your thoughts? Because you had said, well, the, the, you should just let the computer even it out. And I said, absolutely fucking not. They should not do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Not in a oh, zillion okay. so, years. So, the, the, so the, the little recap on it is I said that if you go, if you if you play a large tournament, let's say you went into a Grand Prix and it's 15 yeah. rounds, and by round eight, if one person, or not even, let's simplify it even further. If two people are going into a, a round and they have uh, been on the play an equal number of times, it's random, right? The computer just yep. randomly chooses one of them. But then if you and I meet in round five or round six, and you've been on the play three times, I've been on the play twice, I would just get the play automatically to balance it out over the course of a tournament. Yeah, so and I think the play that's bad. Somebody who's been on it less. And then you were like, I, that's nonsense, Phil. You need to go No, but you weren't the only, you weren't the only person who had that I idea about one, yeah. yeah. And that's why, and I was just saying, like, I think that, I think that is, is more, more trouble than it's worth. Um, but also, like, I, I, I fundamentally just feel like it doesn't like okay so in this situation I've been on the play three times you've been on the play twice it's round five and you know you're gonna now just get to be on the play for having been on there twice but you got to this point by winning the same amount of rounds so you've already stolen a game on the draw or stolen a round on the draw so it's not impossible I think that what I think that my problem with it is it sort of like it sort of makes it so that like oh the the play in the draw is so important that we have to we have to equalize it. It also it gets to like, but that's why you play the games, you know? Like, right? I I, I think it also matters. Like one thing one, one thing we didn't mention in that in that conversation the last time we had it. I, I forget if it was on cast or not off cast. But one thing that we didn't mention was the difference that the play draw has because of the London Mulligan, like the change in the Mulligan rule from when you described, but now that you actually get to sculpt the seven or you know yeah. sculpt even or after some, a Mulligan. Some, some how much how much more impactful that has on also being on the play because you just are going to be more consistent every round that you otherwise would with would be with the previous mulligans that that we've experimented with um but like the the idea that i was coming from with the idea that it would balance out even if like somebody does catch a win being on the draw in my mind it was similar to like if you go into a chess tournament i get magic's not chess but go with me if you go into a chess tournament it's just proven that white is 55% to win in the dark, right? Yes. It's like, you know, sitting down at the table, if you're playing white, you are just favored because you get to move first. Now, if you go, if you play across an entire chess tournament, you get to play black and white an equal number of times. Now you, you can still win with black, but you are inherently disadvantaged knowingly going in. And I feel like that is also deterministic in magic. Like you will, you will win more on the play than you will on the draw. I wish That's I actually true. had like, like, like full stats to like actually like, say look at look at this look at the numbers but i mean i i, think, I, I would i, I, I would assume like, well it's like home field advantage right a team a team has uh, in the in the nfl like on the betting lines a team gets three points just for being at home you know so that means that Even, like if the team it was favored to win if the team was going to be favored to win by seven they're favored to win by ten if the team was was um an underdog by seven they're underdog by four and if a team is like plus two, if a home team is like, for example, like plus two in a, um, or minus two rather in a NFL game, that the, the point spread is the, the home team minus two. That means that they're expecting like a one point game, you know, basically like it's hard. It's basically a pick em. And I feel like the play draw is closer to that than the chess situation, just because like matchups matter. That, that's what I'm saying, right? Like the home team always gets a little bit of an edge in football, but matchups still matter. If you're the, if you're like a playoff team 
going to end week 15 and the other team is going is like the third has like the third overall pick it doesn't matter if you're on the road you're favored to win you know it's going to be a little harder for you than the average game against this team on like a neutral field but you still are favored because of your because of your matchup advantage and i think that's the thing like if you know if you if you've got a deck that can beat mine even if it's on the draw then why should you also get the advantage maybe i can only win if i'm on the player i only have a chance to win if i'm on the play do you get what i'm saying like yeah but but that's what i'm saying like just just because somebody overcame the disadvantage of being on the draw it, you, you, like it doesn't feel like oh you overcame the odds therefore you shouldn't you you don't like it, it still shouldn't be fair right but maybe or as fair as we can make it but you also got to play against a person who lost on the play so maybe their deck just sucked you know what i mean like right. the, how yeah can, yeah, I'm yeah. Saying, like the, the, the stuff we can't control is people with what decks people bring to in a tournament and how they get paired well that's but what i'm saying we can't control if, that Right, but you like know? you theoretically could balance out how many times somebody is on the play over the course of an event, right? Like you may like if 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 two people are on the play, if you, if you if your pairings line keep lining up in such a way where like you keep uh, like if you keep winning, I I I'm I don't want to lose the thread here, but like <laughs> it, it it feels to me like uh, for home field advantage in football, you're playing the same game. There isn't an inherent in-game advantage to being at home other than you're playing on turf and the crowd is cheering for you. Whereas like in, in, in magic, it's like, you get mana first, you get access to game actions first. Like that is, it, it, it feels like I, this is, this is the conversation. But the home field like, advantage is real. That's the thing though. Why is home field right, advantage right, yeah, real? It's, it, it, it must it, have it, some it, impact. It must have some impact. Right. And like, but at the same time, every team gets to play an equal number of home games and away games over a course of a season. You know what that I'm saying? Is, that is true. But that, that's so what I'm saying. It's like it's but like you, you also, could, but you not in the playoffs, game. which not in the playoffs though, which is a tournament. <laughs> so there's another point there. Of the playoffs are a tournament, and teams jockey for position to get home field advantage in the playoffs for that reason, or or home ice in hockey or home court in basketball. Totally. And and when you go into top eight, if you're the higher seat, you get to be on the play. Yeah. You know, which like, uh, <laughs> that is actually home field advantage. So right. Yeah. That's a, yeah. But that, that's that's the argument that I'm making. It's like we, we, it is it is. It, we all acknowledge that being on the play is better because it is a reward going into the top eight. But also, it's just because like you win more when you're on the play. Like I, I, I would be, I would be hard pressed to believe that there's you know any reasonable number of metrics that would prove otherwise. And so it's like I would think that if if the tools are available to us to try and level out that that disparity as much as possible, that we should do it because like you know get, get winning if you if you run the gamut like. Um, I, I want to transition because I want to talk about Sapphire Storyteller. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like, I, I went four out my local recently, with, with, like this past week, trying out a new card in Miracles. But I won all my die rolls, right? Like, yeah. I, 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 I have to, I have to, I have to try. I have to continue. So I, I played Miracles and I played a card, Dream Cash. We'll talk about it. It's a, it's a three mana brainstorm variant. But like, would I have won those games had I been on the on the draw? Probably not. There was one game against Reanimator where I distinctly. You will be able to see these games on '90s MTG, like. This episode is going to come after those uh, games will have aired on the, on Chris's channel, Chris Benucci's channel. But like, I definitely won a game because I was on the play against Reanimator because I had access to two mana before when they were comboing off that I would have yeah. just been straight dead on if I didn't have access to it. You know, I, I was able to play Dressdown in response to an animate dead. Okay, but what if that Reanimator player had only had two 
times when they were on the play coming into your round and then they, they 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 forced you to be on the draw and then you'd be like well of course i lost to reanimator they were on the play you know i can only beat them if i'm on the play that's what i don't like about it you know it's not yeah, just yeah, like yeah. You, yeah it's like you can't like why like oh like this reanimator player brute force on some some uh round where they were on the draw um and uh like you i think you know that like your deck is more favored on the play against them because you need more resources to hold them off and like yeah that's what if they were the ones who got the advantage like the, a double double advantage you know you should want you should want to have that uh, that randomized chance to at least get the chance to um you know assert your uh position in in such a matchup and not have it decided for you based on something that that you were not involved in you know that's how I feel, at least, and that's the other reason why I don't like I like having people roll their roll the die to do it, as opposed to uh, just having the computer do it too. Mm. Um, I feel like, first of all, I feel like any outlier because computers are funny. Any outlier with computers, people will blame the computer. You know, it's a black box. No one, no one believes that it's that it's not been tampered with. You know what I mean? And all it would take is one, uh, you know, one um, sort of fraudulent tournament for the whole thing to go do the hell just let people roll the die it takes it takes 30 seconds it's yeah, not the I, reason I, 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 it's not the reason magic tournaments are interminable because people roll and die you know i i don't have a problem with like like how the play draw is decided my 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 take was like if you go into like there, there's already variants baked into the game between what cards you draw the matchups that you have each round that if you go to an event and you just get unlucky by losing the die roll four times in a row that the odds of you going 4-0 on the draw every time is it, it's it, it's so steep by the compared to the person who gets the, who, who gets lucky and wins their four die rolls and it's like if they if they if, i don't know why like i could be wrong because like your argument makes sense to me it's just like it it feels like the being able to balance out the things that we do have some semblance of control over would remove some of the excess variance that doesn't need to be baked into the game, you know? Well, we were, I think we're also, we might be, we might be right about that. I don't know exactly what it is, but you were saying it's 55-45 in chess. And it's in probably, chess, it's, it's about 55-45, yeah. It's got to be worse than that for Magic. It's got to be like 62 or something. I, 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 I definitely, I definitely yeah. agree. I definitely agree that being on the play is a huge advantage. Like, I, I definitely agree with, or I shouldn't say, I definitely feel that like being on a play is a bigger advantage in Magic than it is in other turn-based games, you know, mm -hmm. um, that we know of. The only one we really have any data on in that case is chess. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just can't, I, I feel like they should fix the game. Like, I feel like if, totally. you, I mean, I feel like if you have such a runaway advantage like that for the person who plays first, that's a that's a problem with your with the card, with the game pieces, you know, not a problem oh, with totally. like the universe, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you uh, know? Hey, what, what, one of the things that I, I... I'm constantly curious when any anytime the the Watsi designers like share their thought process on like certain cars that they designed or sets that they designed. The one thing that I'm always curious to hear is if they ever are thinking about the like how a card plays on the play versus the draw because cards it, it naturally advantage you for playing them as soon as possible. Like if a card begets a card in any meaningful way, it's better to have it sooner rather than later. But there aren't yeah. like the, the only cards that like come to mind that like specifically reward being on the draw is stuff like white of the night orchid or land tax you know yeah. it's like the, these cards are just like very clearly better on the draw because they they actually function or, or phantasmagorian 
or Fendi. Like, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But like, it's like if you play a land tax on turn one and then pass, and then your opponent plays land, well, now you have to, you have to turn your off, you have to reduce your development in order to make a card work. Whereas it will reward you for being on the draw, which I think is good design because you already have to overcome the, the disparity of being on the draw in the first place. And so a card rewarding you for being on the draw, something that wasn't in your control, I think is more interesting design because yes, there will be more variance in like how that card plays, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like if a card plays out the exact same way every single game, regardless of its environment, I would imagine that's boring. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I wish that there was, I, I don't know, they, but they, they should be figuring that out. I'm actually looking, sure, at our I'm looking at our text thread to see we had so many, we had so many stupid ideas. Like how, um, how, how also, also like, you know, when they, when like Rosewater on his podcast, he loves talking about like mechanics that are, that make things that otherwise aren't exciting, exciting. So one of his examples was like when they designed Landfall for the first time and they were like, we thought we knew that landfall was going to work and it was going to be a fun mechanic when you were like please top deck a land in the late game you were like oh please just let me top deck a land which is yeah. not something that had really ever come about before and so when they were like okay well now if you draw action that's exciting if you draw a land that's exciting so this mechanic is just inherently going to work like we knew we knew that going in after that was discovered and played testing and I, I imagine that like something similar could be for cards that reward being on the play or being behind in some way that it's like, man, I'm on the draw. That sucks. I really don't. And then you open your hand and like, oh, this card is way better on the draw. This is exciting now. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, that would be cool. That, that 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 would feel cool. Yeah. You said when in our in our conversation about this, uh, a player can choose any card in their on a draw can choose any card in their sideboard to be their companion. I actually thought that was a really oh, good yeah. idea. <laughs> that was you funny. can just yeah. pay you can just pay three life to companion something in your hand. Like why not? Yeah. You know yeah. it exists. Why not? I, uh, mine was you get there's like five lotus tokens one for every color and if you're on the draw you get to shuffle the one you want into your deck um we also talked about paying five life to buy the play uh, mm -hmm. if you lose oh yeah oh yeah 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 betting the play but then then the, that it just that advantages certain decks that care about life total but yeah yeah it advantage that it would be pretty funny with death shadows like yeah i just got to get i just got to start the, the the game at five and then play a turn one eight, yeah eight. and then play a death shadow yeah <laughs> but you're but you're but you're starting the game at five like the other person could just go like uh pedal dark ritual tendrils and yeah, then totally, you lose totally, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? that, that, those were interesting ideas like i mean obviously like the each one like advantage different things you know particularly like yeah. you know the, the the companion thing out of your sideboard is like if you know the matchup or what you're playing or like or if you're going into uh the draw like would that work for each game would it is it just for the opening game you know so it's like you don't necessarily know what you're if you don't know what you're playing against you companion something that's just like good for you in the dark but like if you know what you're playing against like if you see somebody's deck earlier in the tournament it's like yeah obviously i'm going to companion meltdown against the a cast you know like <laughs> Uh, well, or the, or you get to do it on the second if you you know when you're on the play, or excuse me, on the draw in game three or whatever reason. Yeah, does it go back and forth? Thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, if, like if, you, if um, I win game one and you're on the draw game two, do you get to do it for game two? But then if you win game two and I'm on the draw game three, do I get to do it for game three? Uh, I like to ponder for your first draw step, but you know, oh, that's yeah. probably like why not? What's the, what's the what's what's the worst? You get one free ponder, I guess. But, yeah, you know. it's also because we were talking about like the the the, the advantage that you do the, the the advantage quote quote that you get for being on the draw is you get an extra card, but that's not necessarily always relevant because of how fast decks can be. 
So it's like that being on if, if you're going against a deck that's grindy, like that wants to go long, yeah. that extra card matters a lot. But if you're on a, if you're going against a, 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 a deck that's trying to kill you fast, it's not necessarily the same thing because you may need resources to deploy that stuff unless you're playing like free counter magic. So yeah. it's like if, if you had the option of like, yeah, it, it was like I any of the top three draw cards, or, or, yeah, yeah. Or, or yeah, 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 or it's like so, some amount, like deep amount of scrying or something, you know, some kind of other thing that you could maybe choose from other than a card, like, uh, yeah, it's like I know we talked about like the coin, you know, from Hearthstone, but then, yeah. but then you just getting to play a two drop on on, it's like it doesn't really, it it, it kind of just, I, I don't know, that one felt like not as compelling to me because i was like if you just get a treasure on your turn one and get to skip turn one of development like that is in my mind that's the reason why ancient tomb is so busted right now yeah because it just lets you skip development and so if there was yeah. a mechanic naturally in the game that lets you just skip development like i don't know if that's actually solving or just making the problem worse as ian mccune used to say an ancient tomb is like a time walk because yeah. it's you get an extra you get extra mana oh let's we i know we got like 10 minutes we should talk about staff the storyteller Okay, yeah. So last week, so I heard, I, I heard that you like you were you were excoriating this card. I, I was just off of it. Like, here's the thing. Here's the thing with with what I'll, I'll expand upon staff because it it did win a bunch of events. It won a challenge or something. It won my yeah. local monthly at that game storia in New York. Like, it, it's been putting up some number of results. But the reason that I don't like staff is because it was presented to me as like, oh, Phil, you love control. Staff is awesome for you. And what I found was staff is good. Staff is a good card. But it is good in a, a way that it requires you to play the cards that turn it on, which steers you down a narrow direction of like, okay, you're playing it with Stoneblade or you're playing it in like four color with Minsk and Boo because Minsk every yeah. turn, even if you have the hamster in play, will trigger the staff. Or you're playing like <laughs> so Standstill Shell. So so it's like, it, it it's not that the card is bad, but it's not the, 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 the way that people were selling it to me where they were like, Phil, this is control savior. Like this is bringing control back in. This is gonna be the card that makes it so control isn't just like haymaker mid range. And to that end, I disagree. You're, 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 it, well, you're hundred percent right about that. Because right. it and, is, and, it that's, is. And that, that, that's where I was excoriating it. I was coming from the position of like, it does not, it is not bringing back like the, the, the control that we yearn for, that control mages yearn for. It's 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 very good in like the standstill role where you already are playing like those types of cards. It's putting you in that direction, or you're playing four color because you already want Minskin Boo anyway. I know Anurag was playing, uh, trying out staff with both Minskin Boo and uh, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, so you could just curve and like start churning yeah. through and like that thing. But at the same time, again, both of those decks to me are way are, are not control control. They're 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 much more mid rangey piles than they are. I, I want to be able to control the table. You know what I mean? But but you have also had experience with staff and you've been loving it. Well, it was funny because I actually didn't love it the first time I played it. I tried to play with Young Pyromancer mm -hmm. and I thought that would be kind of fun. Uh, that did not work out. The mana was too bad. That just, the mana was just really bad. So I played yeah. it in Dead Guy Ale where the mana was much better. And that was the thing. Well, the mana's going to be great in this deck. And well, I'm like, well, I've got this card in my deck. What am I doing with it? What am I when I'm replacing it? I had I was like, well, I guess I gotta try. I gotta replace Dark Confidant and then play more higher curve cards. And that's what I did. Um and as much as so it, it kind of it's weird because it kind of changes the texture of the deck a little. Um, but it is effectively a dark confidant that costs mana but not life, you know. 
Right. Um, yeah, and it's it's a steep white commitment. That's the that's the thing too. It's a, it's a steeper it's a steeper white commitment, you know. But it's still it's not really. That's still I guess you need all the white mana to activate it and then cast a white card. But it wasn't it wasn't that bad. And I was like, oh yeah, like I'm I'm like I have nine cards in my hand. <laughs> I cast a lingering souls, and I had two staffs in play, and that's like you know each of those you know just I flash back like it's like flashing back uh, uh, deep analysis, you know. Mm-hmm. It was just pretty cool. Um, and I thought, I was like, oh, I can see. Because I, when I first saw this card being played, I thought it was, I know, I knew it, I'm not serious about this, but it was like, is this like a prank being directed at me specifically? There is no way this card is good in Legacy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, this is like, this is like people doing this, like, huh, Nate's going to think this card is good because he, he loves uh, Lingering Souls. That's what I kind of thought was going on. Dude, and, I, I, when it, I was thinking that, bitter, like, the, the Bitter Blossom, because everybody's like, oh, Bitter Blossom every turn will trigger this thing. And then they, and then Skrull's High which is like the white bitter blossom and i'm like yeah. okay now we can just play eight bitter blossom effects with staff and just have an have all like a bunch of engines and then i was like okay this is kind of okay 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 we got something going on and then i was and then i was like picturing like wh- what would this deck look like in my recent matchups and i was like okay dark ritual yeah. tendrils okay dark ritual into <laughs> reanimate okay 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 yep yep okay i'm off <laughs> right but it was actually really good i think i think actually i might have said it was really good but in, against decks that no one should be playing anyway um, right because right, like yeah. yeah you're right you should probably just be putting grizzle around the play but it was it was cool that it was good it was cool that like i could keep um i could have a uh, cauldra complete in my deck and like uh shoal dread without worrying about flipping it to dark confidant and losing randomly um, yeah, I, I will point out that like Staff of the Storyteller is showing up and it's like showing success, like it's having success in the format. But and 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 even though I don't like it, it's the kind of card that I'm happy is is finding success in Legacy. It's not the thing that's like obsoleting archetypes or like yeah. pushing pushing a deck to tier zero. You know, it's just like it's a good role player that's showing up in a, a, a couple of different varieties, and it's not gonna break anything, but it's a solid. It's a solid piece that's that people are trying out and having fun with, and that's great. Like that's like, that's good design. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 that's I guess that's what I want to say about. It. I was like, I actually think you know, if you're talking about a, a, a card that will allow other kinds of decks to exist, here's a card that will do that. You know, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 um, I mean, the big, the big. Uh, first of all, it, it combos with, with itself, which is nice. And the second one puts com- a, a counter back on the first one, and then you have two of them in play, and you can draw a bunch of cards. It's great. Um, the other thing I've been lingering souls obviously was good. I put uh, Sedgemore Witch in my deck because that makes tokens. I'm like, you know, any other way to charge this thing up. Um, but yeah, it is also like a, the th- first thing you board out against any deck where you where you're not expecting to play like a turn six. If you're expecting to play a turn six, it's a great card. Yeah. But if you're it, not, <laughs> yeah, it's. It, it, I, I was saying that one of the things that I I thought the most powerful thing about it was that it let you cloak your interaction, right? I could hold up a tundra and I like I could I could feign that I was holding up white to activate staff and then people would walk into spell pierce. Yeah. But with, like and, I, and while that was powerful, I was like, "Oh man, but now I have to put spell pierce in my deck." You know? <laughs> yeah. And it's like it, it's it, that's why I was like it, it's it, when I'm looking at the staff decklist, I'm like, "If you are going out of your way to do something to make staff work, it's probably too far gone. If you're doing things that you would have been doing anyway, like casting Stoneforge Mystic, then it's probably good. Right. And that's yeah. also the case because it is kind of, it does just put a thing in play. It, it puts a thing in play. That's that's good. Like it puts the, the token into play. 
and uh, that token flying is good against Merit Lage. That's actually like, worth a turn, and you're getting an extra card to look for that Swords to Plowshares or Shouldered's Edict or whatever you got. That was sort of where I saw it, you know? Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I, I was actually... <laughs> I, I was um I, I'm I'm like you I'm I'm happy that this card is playable in 2023. I was not a, I I was sure that there was some sort of like pirate stompy thing going on, you know, where people yeah, were just yeah, like, yeah. oh yeah, this is you know, like we're gonna pretend this card is really good and see like, if we get the register it. Uh, it, it, but, I, I, let me like, yeah yeah I'll, I'll say that I'm I'm very happy that the reason that I was uh, tilting off about staff was because it didn't work in the decks that I like to play, and therefore I don't like it rather than tilting off on it because it's uh just wildly broken you know well it's, like, it's, it's also funny too because i that's refreshing. i definitely i definitely think that like the decks you like to play you want people playing staff of the storyteller decks you know you want that card to be good because it actually makes you know a hard a hard control deck against like what is a mid-range deck is what you want you know so like that's kind of probably good in a way but not in the way you were expecting oh yeah yeah i mean i like it, the thing is that, like, if somebody's playing a card that, like, makes the 1-1 and it draws a card, I, I think there's, there's something to be said about, like, the cards that do the same thing every turn, no matter what, like, it's, it's like, I find Minskin Boo to be exceptionally uninteresting because yeah. it's the same thing every single turn. Where it's like, if they are hitting staff every turn, the card that they draw and the way that, like, that is going to interact with the board at any given time is going to be different all throughout the game like from early on in when we're in, we're in development versus when we're well developed and now trading whereas yeah. like minsk is just always jamming a 4-4 right like it's the, the 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 permanent that gives you some amount of advantage in some way it having some amount of variety there's a cost to it right like you have to pay white every turn so it's not yeah. just it's not like tap and it's free right they gated it, it it's like they didn't fall into the same pitfalls because i could have easily seen them printing staff of the storyteller one and a white put a counter on it every time a token is triggered and then tap draw a card you know yeah like like mana gating showed some amount of restraint on their part which is which feels extremely rare when they go into I think the, the mana gate was why i thought there was no way this card is playable same, like, i could same. yeah because i'm like, like okay, you, and well, I were talking, you and i were saying like there's no way that a, a, a one white white for a one one flyer draw card is playable in our environment like there's just no way um well i think the second one you know the, the cascading effect from them is nice and because you, you're drawing more cards you're finding more stats you know what I mean? That's actually kind of an interesting. But you're, oh, you're yeah, also yeah, yeah. 100. You're 100 you, right about the experience. Up? Yeah. Once you've doubled up for sure. It was it was that like I was like guys, we are talking about like you have to say <laughs> at, assuming you don't find the second staff, you have to be okay with the fact that the if you find your first copy, it's a one one that draws a card for three mana. That's like maybe a good draft playable, you know, yeah. at best, right? Like that's it. Like there's, there's literally. There's literally a two and a white, two one flyer that gained a life and drew a card that was like dominant new Capenna draft or whatever. And it's like, that card is not remotely close to legacy playable. And everybody was on staff's dick. And I was like, what is going on? I'm it's because, losing my mind. It, it's because like when you're making tokens, you're, it's, it's because of the, I think the thing that it, that the way that it draws a card is by making tokens, right? And like Lingering Souls is already like Lingering Souls. I know it's one of my favorite cards. I always talk about it all the time, but like it is a, it's not a bad card. Like really, even now, you know, like it's not a card that you're always like, oh, I wish this was something else. Like usually, like if you're if you got a Lingering Souls and you're not like about to die to like a Doomsday, 
Like, it's like, oh, this is pretty good. Like, like, if, like I said, if you're trying to play a turn six, Lingering Soul is a pretty good card because it's yeah, going to be, it's, it's, it's going to put two good, things in play. Those bodies are relevant. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. And, and the yeah, same thing is true of Planeswalkers that crank out a uh, a token. Like, they're pretty good. The, the problem is that there are other Planeswalkers that are just going to win the game without you having to make a token and attack for the next turn, you know? Like, that, that kind of, like, Elspeth Knight Errant planeswalker you know wasn't wasn't in vogue for a while right um but this is the kind of card that synergized with those cards and just everything kind of lifts you know it's more than some of its parts and of course with stoneforge mystic uh you just anything with a living weapon triggers it so that's another that's another thing you got well, like, well yeah yeah that's that's where i'm like okay yes i i agree that like the card putting up results it, it is not surprising to me in that, like, you could, if you look at any of those decks that are winning, like the, the Stoneforge Mystic decks or the, you know, Standstill-esque uh, Cycle, Shark Typhoon, and yeah. uh, Timeless Dragon-style decks, it's like, if you removed staff from those decks and, like, replaced them with the other four cards that would have existed in those slots beforehand, the deck is otherwise the same, right? They made no concessions yeah. to further uh, get staff online. It's just, like, what their deck was already incidentally doing and therefore this card is, is just working with a shell that already exists that was proven and it's like yeah that works that that's effective that that makes yeah. sense yeah for sure so. shark tycoon i forgot that's how people were putting comments on staff i saw that in the wild yeah oh, crap that's really good <laughs> when you cycle it for zero for x is zero it still makes a zero zero token that dies so it still yeah. triggers the staff yeah yeah and that's why I was like, it's the same thing with Minskin Boo. If you already have your 4-4 in play, you can still just say yes to the trigger when it makes another hamster. Legend rule, keep the good one, and it still triggers the staff. So it's For like, sure. you know, these like incidental like things. But it's like, you would already, you already playing those cards. So mm -hmm. anyway, I know you, we got to wrap up, but. Yep. Well, it's bro. good to chat. This is, this is a, you guys want to know, like I saw Phil in New York a couple weeks ago. This is, we just had the, the, a very similar conversation. <laughs> This is basically what we talked about over uh, over noodles, which was nice. Except uh, um, now, now we, this time we had uh, you know some some uh, meat to go off of it with uh, <laughs> with some results. Yeah, right, for sure. Yeah. Yep. All right, brother. All right, man. Have a good night. Good night, everybody.